again, everybody, and welcome to the two-man game right here on Claves Online. That's Matt Rocky. I'm Bob Ramsey. Glad you're with us. Uh, Matt and I were just talking. We were on the air a couple of minutes later than we were originally scheduled. I, ended, I was watching the Southern, the, uh, Southern Conference Championship game and had some St. Louis ties. And March Rock is unbelievable. It and, really is. I mean, there's just something about the, the calendar turns and then crazy start, shots start falling. It's just something about it. Well, okay, so it's a Chattanooga against Furman in the Southern Conference Championship game. And why do I care? Well, it's basketball. But um, actually it was my, my Billiken broadcast partner, Earl Austin Jr., who reminded me that former Billiken assistant coach Tanner Bronson – is an assistant at Chattanooga. Former Billiken player Casey Hankton is a player there. And former Belleville West high school player Malachi Smith is a big player there. So I go, okay, I got rooting interest. Let's let's roll up our sleeves and dig in. It goes to overtime. And then uh, one of their forwards, uh, Jean-Baptiste, uh, with four seconds left, down two in overtime, uh, Gets the inbound, pushes it across, kind of they push him. They did a good job defensively, pushed him to the left sideline, maybe maybe two steps across midcourt. He had to let it go. Two guys in his face. He elevated. Good form. Drained it. Nothing but net ball game. Awesome. It's great moments. It's just something about this time of year. It's just something about it just starts bringing down the most insane shots you'll ever see. And I absolutely love it. It's why it's why things just keep getting – it's why March is always fun. It's why John Rothstein has an entire Twitter account dedicated to those kind of things. It's perfect. Yeah, so it was fun. And I know most people around St. Louis don't care, so, you know, Southern Conference. But uh, St. Louis ties. And, and, by the way, Furman had been down, and it looked like it was over, and they came roaring back in, in regulation – took the lead in overtime and so just crazy stuff and when we're done here i'll uh i'll be watching the west coast conference semifinals it's just a fun time for me i love it yeah i, I believe it's uh san francisco and gonzaga are playing tonight so it'll be interesting right. to see if, it'll be interesting to see if san francisco can hang with uh hang with the zags maybe give them something something to run with here in the in the tournament you know there was a time early in the conference schedule where it looked like San Francisco might be the second best team in that league. Um, uh, water seeps to its own level. Cream always rises. Come up with some other sayings if you like. But um, the uh, you know San Francisco's legit, and uh, you know right there with St. Mary. So I think clearly surpassed them and beat Gonzaga uh, just a week or so ago. Um, but that's good basketball, really good basketball there, and I'll be watching that tonight. Yeah, I'll, I'll be watching. I'll be I'll be focused a little bit more on some of the NBA action in tonight's slate. But nonetheless, it's just the if you're a basketball fan, there's no better time of the year because obviously college basketball is hitting its stride as well. And I, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later at the, at the end of the show, but also over the weekend and and kind of into this week, the NBA is also hitting its stride. So I mean, every time you turn on um, the TV now, it's you know it, there's a good chance it's one of those like you like to say one of those commercialist nights because you're always flipping around because there's so many options. That's right. So let's start like we always do with St. Louis U basketball. They won a big one against VCU. And, you know, VCU was, brought everything they had. They were playing for uh, 
the regular season championship. The loss pushed them to third, but they had a chance to be the champ and came roaring back in the second half. They were down 21, came roaring back and uh, made made it a great game to the finish. And uh, Yuri Collins um, made a couple of plays late, offensively and defensively, and uh, the Billikens prevailed. Um, not a sellout, but um, over 90% filled, and uh, student section overflowing. It was a good time. It was it was a the the proper kind of atmosphere for that kind of game. Yeah, and I I thought it would I mean. Talk talk about kind of you know your, your plans going going perfectly. You know you you start the seniors, Brandon Courtney, right off right out of the gate gets the crowd absolutely roiling with that three, and then obviously you have you know Martin Linson and DeAndre Jones. DeAndre Jones probably has his best game as a Billiken maybe the entire season in what he's able to do both offensively, defensively, distributing the ball, shooting the ball in his last regular season game as a Billiken. It really was an impressive game for Slew. Yeah, you know, um, you mentioned Linson, who ended up um, getting cut over his right eyebrow by his own teammate, Fred Thatch. Judge Fred's just handing out punishment. Don't get in the way, even if you're on his team. No, uh, the uh, and, and it's funny, if somebody would go look at the box score, you'd see DeAndre Jones, you go, you'd go, eh. But knowing that you're against that kind of pressure defense from VCU, that the guy's not going to turn the ball over, that he's going to set up and organize the offense and 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 make a bucket or two for you. Uh, it was exactly the kind of game the Billikens needed from him. Yeah, it kind of worked out. Like I, I thought it was maybe just, you know, the, the, the senior night thing, but then it ended up really, I think, being the best time, the best minutes. Obviously, not, not just the you know best game overall we see from Deion Jones, but specifically, I thought it was the best minutes we saw from him and Yuri together the court at the same time yeah exactly him being that more of that off ball role and, and and he actually got some shots kind of working off ball from yuri and i thought that was something that we've been waiting to see the entire season and we finally got it in the last regular season game which i'm okay with because that could be something deadly you know in, yeah. in a few minutes you know let, let's say you know hopefully knock on wood round two of this a10 tournament that could really change the game both of DeAndre's threes, I thought, had a fun little wrinkle. In the first half, he was on the left wing, and he'd thrown it to the corner. Defender appropriately went to Jimerson. Ball comes back to DeAndre, and he turned, and the guy didn't recover and come back to him. And he, in my mind, it was kind of slow motion. If you look at it, if you look, go back at the highlight, it happens like that. But it was like he froze and goes, oh, you're not going to jump out on me? That's Boop, hits the three. And then in the second half, Deep in the left corner, they needed the bucket, got it to him, and he knew he had to shoot it. The guy came flying at him, and he kind of ducked and leaned and shot it anyway and and drained it And two big, big threes. Yeah, that was just – it was huge. And to see him come in late like that – I mean, the fact that it was on senior night, just so perfect. Uh, Obviously, great to see see him – you know, coming to his own. We've yeah. been talking about. You know, we, we kept wondering when these when these transfer guards are going to make a big impact. There was a very good chance it was going to come in the tournament game. Uh, the fact that it came, you know, just yeah. one game before the tournament isn't surprising. It is a pretty good sign as as uh, as obviously we look towards the tournament. One thing I wanted to ask you uh, about that VCU game, which was that run and the recovery. 
while while it's something we've seen a lot, if you just look at the numbers and things like that, the, it felt like more so than usual that was a run that VCU got going just because St. Louis just completely just they, – they stopped moving, the effort completely catered out, and they start getting dumb turnovers. And, and more so than other games – more so than other games where they've let teams come back because teams have, been going, have gone on big scoring runs because they've started moving the ball better and SLU has stagnated. I don't really think VCU really – turned up the, the, the game that much. I thought that was just a really stark example of how bad SLU could shoot itself in the foot when they just stop doing the things they're so good at. I think the Billikens are culpable, but um, I, I don't want to discredit VCU. No. They they started out um, the game just with one or two guys putting pressure on, and as the game unfolded, you know, like this is half court, all of a sudden – First, there's one guy in the backcourt defensively, then two, then three. And when they made their big push, they had all five guys back. And what they do is they sucker you into think you're going to get numbers. We had a couple of horrific turnovers. Hey, we got past them. Now we're flying. We think we got numbers. And instead of running your offense, they sucker you into that. You try to make a pass. There's either a back tap from behind or somebody jumps into that lane and steals it. And both of those things happened a couple of times to St. Louis U. So, yeah, SLU was culpable, but VCU suckers you into that. So discredit to one, and but, but I don't want to completely discredit VCU because that's the way they play. Yeah, that's completely fair. And, and, and it, it kind of came out on the broadcast, but you really saw there was a couple times where, you know, they beat VCU. Um, but somehow they were able to just get kind of like a, a backhanded swipe. You know, they were co- able to come in late and just yep. kind of affect the play, and they were kind of able to do that not only kind of in the micro of just little plays here, but in the macro throughout um, throughout the game. I did think it was interesting you, you, you mentioned that because I honestly thought that the best, the most effective moments for St. Louis were when they were playing a little bit faster um, throughout the game. I thought whenever, whenever things slowed down, I think, and maybe that's just be allowing VCU to kind of get their feet under a little bit. But I thought every time they played a little bit quicker, and maybe that's just because when you're moving the ball more and you're moving and you're and you're and you're you know you, the effort part of offense is playing more. Maybe it just looks like you're playing faster than those moments where it stagnates and everyone's standing around and you're you're watching Francis Acora or Martin Linson, you know take you know four or five seconds to do a post up that and no one is moving around it or giving anything else so maybe it's just an illusionary kind of thing but it really felt like they were just moving more when they were being successful which you know does make sense there are two keys there and one and i know you're not saying this but for our viewers um you're not saying run shoot and holler just try and score 150 points and run crazy but i think um to not to get too deep into the semantics of it but I think when the ball movement is quicker and players are moving to spots so the ball can move to them, I think that's what you're talking about. Yes. And I and I agree with that. And it has been um, – Travis Ford has talked about it a lot a, a, across the course of the season of the team um, uh, sort of bogging down, sort of, you know, wearing concrete shoes and not – and standing – and standing and just pass, 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 that doesn't do anything. When you move the ball and you move without the ball, that's when it looks like they're playing fast, the ball's moving quickly, and then you get the, 
the defense can't adjust quickly enough and you get the good shots you want. And I think you're right. I think though though that is clearly, and we've seen in the last two games where the Billikens have, have done that in uh, two of the last three games where the Billikens have done that in one half and slowed down and couldn't duplicate it in the second half. And if they can get that for 40 minutes and against VCU probably was 30 plus, maybe even 35 minutes, but it doesn't take VCU and a good team to make you pay when you're not playing right. Um, you know, if, if they can get it to where it's as close to 40 as possible, then they'll be tough to beat this week in DC. Yeah, and the word that that I, that kept coming up as I was I was watching the VCU game was how much better the offense was when they were just simply more direct. When yeah. when 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 it was when it was about when when Yuri Collins was trying to instead of just setting up the defense perfectly and getting his big man exactly where he wanted when he was just saying if they if they play me hard on the screen I'm putting the ball on the uh, on the floor and I'm getting as close to the rack as I can and I'm making a play from there you know when 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 we saw that specifically from Yuri in that specific situation it opened things up and he was able to score more but just overall every other player on this offense um you know sometimes Fred Thatch doesn't make the best um, shooting decisions. But I like it when he makes a decision better than when he, you know, does that jump step and then wants to bail halfway through and things like that. Just when this offense plays more direct, they do things better. When they, when they, it's not about, you know, as much as I love it, you know, this this offense is not ever going to be that, you know, prototypical, you know, eighth grade offense of seven passes before a shot. Yeah, that's I don't I just don't think that's ever going to be how this offense is. They're not going to be seven seconds or less, but they're not going to be that kind of thing. There's a perfect middle ground in there where I think this offense. I really flourishes yeah i think you're right about that and the and the uh direct and drives to the basket was part of the game plan um in that they the billikens thought that the way vcu presser press uh pressures the ball excuse me and pushes out that they thought those driving lanes were going to be there and they thought and it proved to be true that if they if they did attack the rim that they would get to the line and then it's a matter of making free throws. And I think uh, if you want to break down numbers out of a box score, it's clear that the Billikens won the game at the free throw line. Oh, God. I mean, that that was that was one of the most impressive games we've seen conference-wise. Probably the most impressive conference game um, from the line. That was a, a very good job. The way they crashed the paint, the way they were able to get shots. Um, you know, in fact, it's kind of insane that there's – they got so many good calls, and yet there were still three or four ones I thought that were egregiously not called against Gibson Jimerson. But that's just uh, you know another wasn't conversation. Wasn't a good crew, um, and so it wasn't a good crew. But I don't. They weren't biased. No, no, not at all. Um, but it was interesting to see it kind of break finally in St. Louis's favor, and just and not even in a way that we've never seen this season. It just broke their way in a way that we saw consistently in non-conference play that we just never saw in conference play. And I think it was partially because of some of the calls they were getting that they haven't been, but I also thought that was, again, a more direct offense, and therefore we're going to see more free throws when they play like that. Still, and I don't know who to talk to about it and uh, at, at in Washington, D.C. I still continue to uh, – claim that uh, Gibson Jimerson is the most disrespected leading scorer I've ever seen in college basketball. I agree. He just gets beat up and does not get calls. I, I, I can't, I can't figure out why home away. It doesn't matter. It's crazy. 
Again, it'd be one thing if he was just a jump shooter or, or if he was notorious for flopping and things like that. He got his arm – I mean, he got he got his arm clearly slapped. Looked like that, he was in a thresher on the farm. Yeah, on that on that reverse on that reverse layup on the on the on the backdoor drive. It was it was as clear as day. I'm surprised the I'm surprised we didn't get one of those calls where he might not even seen it, but you just hear it and they just go, "Well, that's a whistle." I just I definitely <laughs> just heard skin on skin. Um, I just couldn't believe it. So you know, hopefully maybe they, they have a way to to solve it. Maybe that'll be an emphasis when they can get you know get a get a group of you know crews in that they can you know handle for tournament time this week. We'll see. Um, but so, but that's kind of going to be the big question for everybody. You know, not just us two when it comes to watching Slew in this next game. So give me some strategic advice. I'm uh, very good friends with the um, communications director at the league. Do I start with him and have him tell me to calm down? Or do I go right to Ted Hillary, who is the head of officials, who, by the way, um, it no longer officiates game. He's retired from that. Ted Hillary was one of the great uh, college basketball officials. Do I go right to him, grab yeah. him by the – Ted, Ted, you've got to listen to me. Or is that maybe a little? Maybe I mean I think I think we, we went from should Ted be the first to should I treat Ted like as it's a 1930s Jimmy Stewart character? I think the jump there was 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 kind of okay. insane. Uh, there's there again there's a middle ground somewhere in there where we where we where we grab Ted and we say listen am I you know for me it would be kind of like a rationalization thing Ted, am I crazy here or is this guy just not getting calls that you know take away the you know. Um, Take away the conference scoring leaders. This guy just not getting calls that a normal, you know, player consistently playing 30 minutes and scoring pretty well in this league should be getting. Because that's that's a reasonable call. Because I mean, just that question alone, I think you get to the answer of no, he's not getting the calls he should. And from there on, the question is, well, is this a is this a him thing? Should he lobby with the officials more? Is this a Travis thing? Where and then and that I think becomes a question with him of you know, is this something that Travis has to emphasize with the officials? You know, pregame or I think you know, so. I, I think maybe that that'd be a, a great question for Ted because you know I've always wondered how do the ref want players coaches and whatnot handling those kind of questions those kind of you know overarching wonderments you know about a season as it plays out and how your guys getting called yeah and you know now and to be serious about it let's say you talk to him and go look he's getting grabbed off the ball uh, you're going to miss some calls but when he's shooting you're going to call him I get that even though we both have video evidence that he doesn't always but it's the egregious grabs and holds and hacks off the ball. Now, the officials go, okay, we can call that. But if you call that and you call it for everybody, we'll be shooting 75 free throws in a game. So finding the balance of protecting the integrity of the game's offense for both teams, protect the integrity of the offense and um, so that you can still have a flow without just blowing the whistle every possession and slowing the game down and making it unwatchable. That, that, it's a tough position for them. Yeah, I, I, I agree it is. The, like I said, you don't want to bog down the game too much, but again, there, there's, you know, that's kind of the theme now. There's a middle ground somewhere. So do you have an opinion? Have you looked at it yet um, in our preview, uh, LaSalle and St. Joe's? Um, I kind of feel like St. Joe's has a little more talent, though. LaSalle's handled them both times. So they yeah. get a, the, the Battle of Philadelphia a third time, this time in, in Washington. Um, I don't know. Do you go with the team, the team that's handled the other one? Or is St. Joe's ready to emerge? I don't know. 
Uh, well, you know, it's March, and now it's kind of just make ridiculous decisions based on uh, weird axioms that you've developed over your time in watching basketball. And so, with that said, LaSalle absolutely should win this on paper, but, but it's hard to beat a three team three times in a calendar year. And so, be, be, just on that, I'm going to pre- predict this one goes kind of classic on the flip, and St. Joe's kind of edges them out on this one, which I, I think, think is which I think is good for SLU. I think that's reasonable. Um... I think that's probably right. I think, well, I don't mean any disrespect because I've only seen each these teams a couple of times. I kind of think there's a, a little bit of a, an edge, a, a toughness edge to LaSalle yeah. um, that, that might be enough for them. But and again, again, it's not, it's, not, Pro- it's not in Tom Gola though. <laughs> it's got to affect the edge, right? That's right. You can't That's travel right. with that edge. There's just something about it. There's like, I mean, the the you know, there's the mercury from the and the lead in the in the in the in the, in the paint just doesn't you know affect you the same way. Well, it's the uh, it's the chlorine fumes from That's, the swimming pool underneath the floor. <laughs> but overall, I mean, when you look at how the bracket broke down, you know, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but it is kind. Of, it is. I think we can all be just be honest. I think Davidson Davidson St. Bonaventure is about the worst you know, combination that you could have gotten uh, of the uh, of the bracket. How do you mean? Oh, you mean for the Billiken setting yes. up? Yes, yes, because, well, I mean, you know, when you look, when you're looking at Dayton VCU at 2-3, um, I know they couldn't get to 6, but just it, it's just kind of crazy how Davidson-Bonaventure is just really not the, the one, you know, the 1-4 combination you wanted in front of you. You know, uh, I don't want to be, sound like it's a false bravado or, whistling past the graveyard. I think with those top four, they all present real, real problems. And I think none of the four are perfect teams. And I think the Billikens are capable. Well, they've beaten Dayton. They've beaten VCU. They got run out of the gym against Davidson and, and St. Bonaventure beat them twice. They can beat St. Bonaventure though. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind that with the way. Yeah. They've shored up certain things here since those losses to St. Bonaventure that they undoubtedly they can beat them in a third matchup. I honestly do not know about Davidson. Yeah, because you only get to play them once, and that's the weird thing about the unbalanced schedule. You only played them once. You played them at, at their home court, and they had their best offensive game. Uh, they were off the charts good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they can duplicate that at home or anywhere else. That doesn't mean – they still can't win. Of course they can win. They're a good team. Uh, yeah. I, if you've made me pick a team that, that I wanted the Billikens to face in the first round, I don't know if I could pick one. Uh, it sounds like coach speak now, but it really doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Really. I'll agree with you on that one. Um, honestly, the only, the only one that I, I'm kind of, uh, if I could, the fact that it, it, if Fordham or George Mason somehow pulls off the upset, I'm very happy. Uh, let's just say that. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm, okay <laughs> I'm, I'm very, I'm very okay with that because I they're really right now. Davidson is really the only team that worries me, and that you know saying that to, that to the number one seed isn't isn't groundbreaking. But I'm just saying, like I said, with what they've they they've shored up. They can beat St. Bonaventure, and then obviously you, you put it out. They've beaten Dayton, and they beat D- VCU. They can play with them. There's no doubt about that. It's just can can they get past Davidson should they match up, and can they, again, play a much cleaner game than we have come to expect than what we saw against those two games against the Bonnies? Well, shooting you'll be the best defensive. He'll, he'll be the league 
player, the defensive player of the year that comes out tomorrow, I believe. Um, uh, and there's something about him that he's earned the mystique that he has earned <laughs> that freaks guys out when they get, when they get inside yep. and I get it. He's going to swat it into the gym, into the band. If you don't, if you don't have the right angles and the right attack and all those sorts of things. Um, I think Francis Okoro keeps getting better and backed up by Martin Linson's solid, effective um, uh, clinician approach to the way the game is played. Um, I, I think that that gives you your best chance. But it's funny when you look at those teams, you've got Oshunayi, um, and, and, and each of those teams, like even with George Mason, Odoro, just a, just a legit big. And so um, I think, I think starting on Thursday, there is going to, there are going to be some huge battles in the league. Yeah. Aiden tournament is going to be an absolute blast. I can't wait. Let's switch to the, to the NBA. I've been trying to watch a couple more games. It's been a crazy week with all the college basketball. Um, Brooklyn lost again. They look like a mess to me as an outsider observing. You're the NBA insider. Um, did I see Cleveland just lost? Was that yesterday or the day before? Yeah, they did. And I mean, the bigger loss than just losing a game is they lose Jared Allen indefinitely yeah. for the finger. That's just a, that's a huge bummer. That 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 really bummed me out. Um, also, uh, earlier today, um, not a lot of people I don't think have seen this. LeBron James apparently with significant knee soreness. Um, not surprising when you're that old and you go off for 56 points, you're going to have a little uh, little swelling the next day. But, but that's Too many jump shots. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, it was absolutely incredible, though, the weekend kind of leading up um, in, into into our recording tonight. You know, Friday night, Cam Johnson goes off for a career high 38 points against the Knicks for the Suns. And he hits a buzzer beater. That game was amazing. Tyrese Maxey goes off for 33 to help lead the Sixers in another game where Embiid and Harden look good. Yep. Giannis and Levine in that um, Bucks bulls battle both go off for 30 the pelicans beat the jazz by 34 and what was just a weird game just kind of happens out of nowhere and demarcus cousins who seemingly crops up every month or two having a nice <laughs> little game for the for an nba team had 31 points for the nuggets off the bench um and, and that was just friday night saturday night uh, the Heat beat the 76ers. There was no Harden, but the Heat also beat the 76ers with 21 points from Tyler Hero, 21 points from Jimmy Butler, and then two other um, games in the teens from Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin who were not drafted. Uh, so the fact that they were able to hold the 76ers to 82 points while beating them up with you know, two stars and right. then two undrafted guys. It just shows you the depth of the heat that we've talked about. The Lakers also beat the Dubs that night with that 56-point game by um, LeBron right. James. And then last night, you had Suns and Bucks go deep into the fourth. The Bucks eventually won by 10. Chris Middleton had 44. DeAndre Ayton had his arguably best game of the season with 30 points. Then the Celtics and Nets, you alluded to that game. Jason Tatum had 54 points. He absolutely went off. And then uh, the late night game, which I got to watch a chunk of, Jokic had 46, 12, and 11. <laughs> so, I mean, just, the, the, the slate the past couple nights in the NBA has been absolutely ridiculous. Tonight, the 76ers and the Bulls played again in that incredible Eastern, Eastern Conference matchups we keep getting. Joel Embiid went off for 43. DeRozan and Levine scored in the 20s, but the 76ers then won by 15. So... 
Did it's I see? unbelievable what we're seeing every single night right now in the NBA. Just night after night, star player after star player going off. Great matchup after great matchup. It's been incredible. You mentioned Miami winning. I think you said that was on Friday. Didn't they play again and Butler had a horrible game? Did I see that correctly? Ooh, let me double check that because I, I did I miss one of their games? They played they're on, no, they're on a two-game win streak right now uh, against the 76ers, and then the Nets uh, was the Edit that out because talked. I don't. I, I, I'm not sure what I was looking at. He was no. He had a he had a bad run of games leading up to okay. leading up to the kind Maybe of that's what I was games. Thinking. Yeah, that's the big one. And then and then also right now, uh, again, we just can't keep getting enough matchups. We, we're so freaking lucky. Nuggets and Warriors are wrapping up the first quarter. It's 40 to 31. Oh my. <laughs> oh my. So, I mean, just what we're getting in the NBA, like I said, in the opening, we talked about how lucky we are with the college basketball. The NBA basketball we're getting right now is unbelievable because every night a different star stepping up. And I mean, the Suns are unbelievable. The 76 are unbelievable. The Heat, the Bulls, the Bucks. I mean, everywhere right now, this is one of the deepest, most exciting years of NBA basketball I've ever seen. And moreover, I think the key is we're seeing these performances – um, in great matchups, yeah. that's what really makes it fun to me. Yeah, yeah. This isn't you know this isn't Jason Tatum going off for fifty four you know against against the Hornets or the Orlando Magic. You know this is this is Celtics Nets. You know this is Suns Bucks. You know this is this is Bulls Bucks. You know these these are yeah. the top matchups against the best twelve to fourteen teams in the league. Probably any, a smaller scope. Really, I think I have about ten teams covered right here. Um, and one of those teams even got mentioned was the Lakers because LeBron went off and they don't really actually matter in the in the grand scheme of things compared to all these other teams. Um, so it's just been incredible. Um, you know, if if you have a chance to watch late games in the West, anytime the Suns or the Nuggets on, you, there's a good chance, one, you're going to get just an incredible game of basketball in every facet of the game from the Suns. Or you can watch one player do things that no player's ever done in Nikola Jokic. I think people don't understand because of all the injuries there. Joel Embiid doing a lot of impressive things. Steph Curry, a lot of impressive things. John Morant, you know, exciting an entire league. But for the second year in a a row, Nikola Jokic is doing things that only Wilt Chamberlain has ever done on a basketball court. (laughs) That's, 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 that's preposterous. And he's doing it with, you know, uh, a, a roster around him full of guys that they're pulling off the streets because they just keep getting injured. It's just unbelievable what Jokic is doing. And that's, that's reasonably the fourth or fifth best story every night because those are the West. And for the first four hours of the night, you have the Bulls, the Bucks, the Heat, the Celtics, the Nets, just murdering each other night after night, fighting for position. The, um, everybody knows the two man game is on Klaibs online online. Mike Claiborne is our fearless leader. He is also the number one Knicks fan or number one Lakers fan of all time. Um, and Lakers fans, their interests have fallen into hard times. And I don't know if Mike's seen it yet. I haven't talked to him today. The HBO series uh, is it winning time. Winning time. Yeah, they, they couldn't call it. You know, it's an HBO showtime. series. You're not going to call it Showtime. They, they, they couldn't. Yeah, they couldn't call it Showtime because, well, they're not going to give away a bunch of free advertising every damn week. So I watched the first episode. I don't know if you did. I have not yet. No, it's on. It's on the list. It's gonna. It's yeah, gonna happen it's, here in the next day or so. Awesome. Yes. It is so good. John C. Riley, who's, who's one of our great, for the last 20 years, one of our great film actors. Maybe he's been around longer than that, 25 years. 
John C. Riley is so good as Jerry Buss. And um, uh, 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 Michael O'Keefe, remember, he's had a long, terrific career from started out as, as, as in Caddyshack mm-hmm. as a kid. He plays Jack Kent Cook, and boy, they make him look like a real ass. <laughs> and at Buss, Buss looks like the greatest guy, and the actors playing Kareem and Magic. And uh, the other ones we saw, um, Norm Nixon. Um, I'm telling you, you're a little young, but it takes you back to that late 70s. And even the film style, the way it's shot, and they make it look like kind of tinted, you know, crappy old film stock. (laughs) And, And the actors, I'm not the first one to comment on this. But the actors occasionally, especially John C. Riley, will break the fourth wall and talk to you and tell you what's going on in this scene. I, it's I'm I, telling you. I heard there was the biggest because uh, I, I I did a little, a little bit of a spoiler free review and the, the the things I took away from one was that apparently they telegraphed very early that this that there that what a lot of people thought might be kind of like a one season thing is clearly, I think, going to go two or three seasons deep because they're clearly going to give it a much longer, slower scope than I think a lot of people thought, which is really interesting to me. And second, I hear they're doing a lot of, not only just like fourth wall breaking with the actors, but they're using classic sports things like Chirons. To kind yes. of, I, I heard at one point Donald Sterling came on screen and it slashed across second worst Donald of the 80s. Yeah. See, that kind of stuff is perfect. I love Adam McKay so much. I, I could not be more excited. And on a more interesting thing, it's it's kind of crazy to me that it, on Apple is actually going to be coming out with, I think this summer, Magic Johnson's answer to um, – the the Bulls uh the Bulls oh, documentary that I'm blanking on right now yeah yeah why am I blanking on the name of the Bulls documentary but the one that came out during COVID yeah. two years ago um that Bulls documentary we're getting the Magic Johnson Lakers version of that documentary from Apple here this summer so it's it, and I think a lot I think there's some people who think that maybe we're get, that Magic also kind of got that going not only because of Jordan's thing but also because he knew that the HBO kind of dramatization of his of his story was going to be coming out so I'm I'm really excited that we're going to get not only just kind of this crazy, you know, really fanciful, you know, look at what had happened, but also mm-hmm. the really hardcore from the perspective of the players, how they want to tell their story, you know, documentary style. I mean, it's, I mean, we're just, we're, we, we are living in one of the best times to be a sports fan with the kind of content and behind the scenes stuff we're getting. I mean, we didn't know that there were cameras following Jordan around there in the late nineties, but 20 years later, we're blessed with one of the greatest documentaries ever. Of all time. My only concern would be sometimes people wanting to rush to tell their version of the story. How objective is it? The Bulls felt very objective. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully Magic and whoever his directors and producers are hold them to some level of objectivity while allow him, allowing him to tell him his version of it. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, but, I can't wait. I'm I'm gonna knock out that first episode of uh, Winning Time. Of winning Time this week, and and we'll talk about it a little bit more in the next episode of the show. I recommend it for anybody, especially somebody who's a fan of the Lakers and sort of lived through Showtime, and and anybody who wants a look uh, at perhaps a version of what it was like. It's really fun. At the very least, it's really fun. Absolutely. So, what are we looking for midweek here from the NBA? 
Well, I mean, really, it's just it, it it's not really it's gonna. I mean, I shouldn't. I, I was gonna say it's not really gonna slow down. Just by the nature of how incredible this past weekend won, it's going to slow down. Some of those matchups can't keep happening, and that's kind of what we're gonna lose. So the big thing I want to highlight tomorrow night. One thing that I've done a bad job with, I think, is giving credit to Tyron Lue and the Clippers for what they've been able to do without Kawhi Leonard and yeah. Paul George. But yeah. when you lose those guys, you're honestly gonna lose, you know, some of the shine. But they're still a winning solid basketball team and Tyron Lou really deserves some credit for doing one of the most incredible coaching jobs in the NBA tomorrow night they play the Warriors so it's actually I think going to be an interesting uh, matchup because the Warriors are definitely reeling a little bit you know they're getting they're going to get Draymond back but right now the team just isn't clicking uh, at all and so can you get back uh, on the winning streak against not one of the better teams in the West and the Clippers but heck the Clippers are so well coached they could easily keep that Warriors kind of struggles rolling yeah. And that that could be a problem. And then uh, on Wednesday, uh, early game, Suns and the Heat, we get a little bit of an East-West Coast cross, maybe even a preview of what we'll see in the NBA Finals. It's certainly not a long-shot chance for that to happen. So that's going to be a good one right there. We get, we've gotten so many matchups lately in the West, so many matchups lately in the East, but those, those kind of potential previews of what we might see in the Finals, we haven't seen a lot of those. So we'll get one of those right there Wednesday uh, early in the evening as the Suns and the Heat match up. It's going to be good. So I think we'll probably be able to go Thursday evening mm-hmm. uh, with two-man game, and we'll um, – We'll uh, take a look at um, hopefully a Billiken victory, and and then preview what what the game will be. And if it is a Billiken victory, and they'll play St. Bonaventure, and we'll preview that. And you've seen those games, and you've been around Billiken practice, so we can maybe try and do a little uh, uh, X's and O's from. Oh, I'm going to watch them again. If, they, if they're playing the Bonnies, I'm watching yep. those damn games again. Yep. So we'll have that for everybody on uh, hopefully on Thursday night. Rock, um, uh, good visit. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll get back together again and keep talking hoops. Have a safe trip to D.C., Rammer. Thanks, buddy. It's the two-man game right here on Claves Online. That's Matt Rocky. I'm Bob Ramsey. Good night. See you Thursday. St. Louis Acura is the only Acura deal in the nation to win the Precision Team Award for 30 years. How do we do it? By making you, our customers, our number one priority. As others increase their fees and take advantage of limited inventory, we keep our prices low because we remain committed to becoming better than ever and treating you as we want to be treated. We want you coming back and sending your friends and family to a veteran-owned, family-based business you can trust. St. Louis Acura, better than ever for you.